We're picking up on week three of a series called Seven Ships, some epic boat stories. Um, as we've been covering over the last few weeks, we're going we're gonna, to um, sail into the summer with this series. We're going to have seven different weeks where we're going to just go through some of the incredible stories in the Bible that are nautical themed, that are all about boats and ships. And um, last week we talked about Noah. It was an awesome, um, awesome day. Then we kicked it off with where Jesus and Peter both walk on water. And, uh, but today we're going to shift gears a little bit. And, and we're going to go into the book of Acts. And so this is uh, one of those, it's an epic boat story, but it, it's one of those boat stories that, that, that don't, you know, it's not the most popular one. Um, it's in there, and it's probably not the most popular one because it's about a shipwreck, right? Uh, and, and so in, in this story, it's, it's in the book of Acts. It's about a guy named Paul, Acts 27 and Acts 28 is where we see the whole story of what takes place. But, about, you know, a little bit about Paul. Paul was a pretty amazing individual. And first, you know, he wrote a third of the New Testament, which is amazing. But Paul had a big transition in his life. Paul wasn't always Pastor Paul, right? He was, he was Murderer Paul for a little while. He flipped a switch pretty quickly um, you know, where he had a letter from the governor and, 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 you know, officials in authority to go around and arrest Christians and persecute them and put them in jail. And, and he had this road to Damascus experience as we, as we know it. And, and a bright light just lit him up and, and took his eyes. He lost his eyesight for a little while and, and knocked him on the ground. And, and, and he had this experience with God that left him different. And what I like about Paul is a few things. You know, one is I, when I read, when we read the Pauline epistles and we read um, what Paul has to say to us, Paul really, you know, he wasn't alive and he didn't actually get to walk with Jesus like the disciples. So we read the Gospels and, and we're given, an, you know, a firsthand account. But Paul, everything he experienced was revelation. Revelation. Jesus had already resurrected. He was in heaven with his father. And so now we have Paul who God picked. Basically, he was the first church planner. And, and, and so everything Paul received from God was through revelation. God showed him things, incredible things. He wrote about them um, in, some of, in some of his letters. Like uh, he was taken up into the third heaven and, and shown all these mysteries. And, and so he's, he's known in 1 Corinthians, he, he considers himself or he, he acknowledges himself as a father in the faith. He's writing to the Corinthian church and he says, hey, you guys have a bunch of teachers You've got a bunch of, 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 of people that are, that are educating you. You've got a, uh, he says, but you don't have many fathers in the faith. And I think it's so critical, especially, you know, there's so much truth to that. He realized how important that aspect was to have a father in the faith. You know, that you got your, I know everybody probably watches a lot of um, YouTube and podcasts, and, and I'm, I'm a big fan of all that. You know, I like to, if, I, if I'm trying to research something or I hit a, you know, I hit a dead end road and I need some advice, I'm going to, you know, listen to a TED Talk or I'm going to look on YouTube or I'm going to listen to some of the guys that I really respect and girls and, and see what they have to say. But there's nothing like sitting down with someone and looking them in the eye a father in the faith, that you can, you, you can, they can experience what you're going through with you. They, they can cry with you. They can laugh with you. Paul was that for so many. He was a mentor. He was a father in the faith. And, and in the book of Acts, 
You know, Paul had a few different, uh, you know, journeys that he took by boat. We're going to talk about really the last one. He had several. And so this is the last two chapters of the book of Acts. Now, Paul, this is incredible. You know, Paul picks, God picks Paul to lead his church, to be the first church planner. And he ends up in prison. You've got to know the whole story and the background of what's going on. Paul is preaching Christ, and, 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 and people don't like it. The church doesn't like it. The political leaders of that day do not like it. And so they're trying to put this guy in jail. They want to kill him. And so they keep, you know, they keep false accusations are coming from the church. False accusations are coming from the world. And so he ends up a prisoner. And he's in, he's in Jerusalem. And, and so Paul has the idea because he knows that if, if, he, if they try him there at the high court, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, they would kill him. And so he appeals. He says, let me go before Caesar the high court in Rome. And so they grant that. And so he, he gets on a ship as a prisoner with a guard assigned to him with 276 other people, and he's on his way to Rome. And so what we know about it is, is let me just kind of, most people have these maps in their Bible. Do you have a map? Just so that you can see. Can you all see that? Probably not, huh? <laughs> just, uh, so, so Paul starts out over here, like, like over here. He's supposed to be going up here. You see Italy up there, the boot? But he ends up shipwrecked down here. And so he gets sent, and his, his goal, in his mind, he's going to Rome. He wants to go to Rome because he feels like that's what God, that was the last revelation he got from God. Go to Rome. Go stand, before, you know, go stand, and, and, and when, when you get there, I'm going to tell you what you need to do. And, and so he's on this boat. He's on the way to Rome, and, and they, they, hit it, they hit several snares, several hiccups on the, on the journey. I can't imagine navigating back then. If you, if you have ever um, captained a boat or you own a boat, um, it's, it's, it's really hard to, just to navigate in, in unfamiliar territory and unfamiliar waters. But imagine having no electronics. You know, imagine just being on a sailboat, you're completely at the mercy of the wind and the waves, um, and, and you're navigating with the stars. And so that's the way Paul was getting the gospel out. He was, and it's just, it's amazing to me. And they're on their way to Rome, and they hit a storm. And this is not just any storm. This is a big storm. Now, a 200, and, there's probably about 200 people in here. Like, imagine a boat like this, full of a lot of people probably felt like this hot right now like it does uh, no no I'm just kidding no. and you hit this storm that, that that was so severe they didn't know what to do and it's interesting to me that you know Paul again he's a prisoner and he's locked up with another soldier before they left port Paul warned the captain and the owner of the boat he said listen y'all I've seen there's a storm we don't need to do it. We don't need to sell yet. We need to wait. Well, they do it anyways. And how many of you, I mean, when you think about that, how many of you would listen to a prisoner in the bottom of the boat over the captain and the owner of the boat? Nobody, right? I mean, think about it. If you're on a boat, 276 people, you got a captain, the owner of the boat is there at the port. He's high-fiving the captain, making sure he's good to go, right? And they said, we're setting sail, the conditions are good, but Paul, down there chained to a, you know, prisoner Paul says, we don't need to do it. And this is what happens. Let me just read it to you. Verse 13, Acts 27. Paul warns them, they go anyways. But it says, a gentle 
a gentle south wind began to blow. And they thought they had obtained what they wanted. They were going to Rome. So they weighed anchor and they sailed along the shore of Crete. But verse 14, before very long, a wind of hurricane force called a northeaster. So all my Florida folks know how quickly weather conditions can change, right? I don't even know why we pay meteorologists anymore. Did you look at your weather? Did you look at your weather app yesterday? It was supposed to like an 80% chance of rain today. 80 mile an hour wind, right? It's supposed to be like 25 knots, 30 knots out of the west. It's blowing out of the northwest. It's sunny. You know, it was nice. I mean, it was, so they got it wrong. They still get it wrong. Well, the captain and the owner of the boat got it wrong. And a northeaster, just to, in perspective, it's basically a hurricane, but in cold weather conditions. It's subtropical. We get them all the time in the winter, those cold fronts that come down. And so these are serious storms. This is the same kind of energy a hurricane has. And as soon as they you know, push off of into the Mediterranean Sea, this big northeaster forms. It's swept down from the island. Verse 15, the ship was caught by the storm and they could not head into the wind so they gave way to it they just let it take them they were driven along as we passed the lee of a small island called Kuata, we we were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure when the men had hoisted it aboard they passed ropes under the ship to hold it together so this is so rough y'all now you've been on boats i'm sure but you know it's you're but this, this is such a rough storm the bow of the boat's coming apart. And so in that day, um, you know, they would build boats, and, the, and, the, and the, the, um, the folks that built the boats would also build churches. So a few thousand years later, if you look up, and it's pretty amazing, they call churches sanctuaries. And so this is almost like an upside-down boat. And so the bottom of the boat would have these ribs in them. And so the boat was literally falling apart. And so they threw ropes over the bottom of it to keep this thing from just falling apart. And so they took such a violent, a violent battering, verse 18, that, this, that the storm the next day, they began to throw the cargo overboard. It's getting bad, y'all. <laughs> and then on the third day, they threw the ship's captain. No, they threw the ship's, <laughs> they, threw the, they threw the tackle overboard. Now they can't fish. Like, I mean, this is really bad can't fish like you know there's no food um, they, they threw the ship's tackle overboard in their own hand with their own hands verse 20 one of the reasons I like Paul's because Paul's an honest person Paul writes and I'm so thankful he writes stuff like this verse right here when neither the sun or the stars appeared for many days the storm continued raging and then finally, we gave up all hope. And so they get stuck in the middle of the Mediterranean. He doesn't even know how many days it was. No sun, no stars. And if you've weathered a hurricane, you know exactly what that's like. Multiple days, they can't see anything, and they got hopeless. And I think the question we all have in our life, when, when a storm shows up at our door, whether we ask for it or not, is why is this happening? <laughs> Did I cause this? Is it the captain's fault? They didn't listen to me, right? Paul knew. He knew exactly what they were heading into. Is it the, is it the owner's fault? 
that when storms hit in our life and we get to the point like they were and they're doing everything they know to do, we, we ask the question, am I really in charge? Or should we just give up completely because there's a force beyond myself that's bigger than me and that anything I try to do is not going to affect it? I think we all have that question, right? It's, it's the title of my message this morning. Who's at the helm? Who's, at the helm? Who, who's really driving the ship? This story is such a good story because I believe it answers that question. That's a big question. That's a big question for our own life, right? There, there's that saying, I know you've heard it before, that I'm the, I'm the captain of my own soul. Right? I'm the captain. I'm, I'm in control. I'm in charge that my decisions are basically going to be like it is. You've, I'm sure you've watched Back to the Future from one person. That's such a good movie, right? The end of the movie, Dr. Brown's on the train. He, he jumps out and he's, he says to Michael J. Fox, your future is whatever you make it. So make it a good one. And that sounds great. That preaches good, too. But everybody in here that's been through a storm knows it ain't true. Completely true. And so they, they, they call that freeism, right? That, that, that there's this, these, I feel like there's these two sides of it. That most people fall, really intelligent people fall in two categories. Freeism is there is a God in the universe and he's alive and he's well and, and he's, a, he's a God of love. But he's not going to step down and intervene with anything going on here. That you are in complete control of your life. Your decisions and what you do, you're the captain of your soul. If you end up in Rome, Paul, it's because you did it. And then I think there's another side of it called fatalism. That basically is like you're up against forces in this universe that are more powerful than you. And they don't take your opinion or consider anything you have to say when they decide to do what they're going to do, right? That God is sovereign and no matter how much you, you fight against it, that God's will will be accomplished. And your decisions and choices have very little to do with it. And so what, what is the reality here? Like, like who, is, who is at the helm? What's going on? And in this story, we, we see, I, I really think we see different aspects and answers to that question. And what I love about it is that, you know, Paul knew exactly what was going to take place. The other people didn't. They didn't listen to him. They didn't take his advice. But I think Paul has a lot to share with us when it comes to this reality of who is at the helm, who is really in control, who is, it, who is in the captain's chair of my life. And we can swing one way or the other, but let's, let's go through this story a little bit deeper and, and see what it really has to say. And so we know on the third day, the, the storm showed up, they threw everything overboard, they were fearful for their life, but something else happened in the story. And I think one of the big things that we see in, in this story is, is Paul, who is, again, he's the father of the faith. Like, this is a, I feel like if, 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 if Paul was alive today, Paul was, an, he, was a, he was a leader of leaders. You know, Paul was, was just an incredible person. And, and when the storm hit, Paul wasn't curled up in the fetal position in the corner of the boat, right? <laughs> he wasn't. I think they got hopeless for a moment, but then Paul stepped up and he started showing some leadership. He did, he made some decisions. And I think the first thing that Paul recognized that got him to where, he, where God was calling him to go was Paul recognized the limitations of people. 
right? Paul did not, I mean, we don't see in this story that he's on the bow of the ship and he's screaming at the captain, I told you so, y'all should have listened to me, what were y'all thinking, I'm a prophet of God here, right? If anybody was a prophet of God, it was Paul. He didn't do any of that. It says while the storm was raging and they got, they got hopeless that he was down there breaking bread and he, he was having communion in the bottom of the boat because he knew exactly what was going on and that he knew the limitations of people. I mean, have you ever been put through a storm because of somebody else's bad decision? Anybody? Last year, I, I, I mean, I, I'm preaching to the choir, y'all. Hurricane Sally was coming. Come on. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And, and, and everybody, you know, I, I like to surf, so I study the weather. And I thought, you know, I'm, I'm basically a meteorologist, you know, in, in my mind. And so, uh, you know, the Sally's getting closer. The winds are picking up. My brother texts me, hey, they just evacuated, you know, the lifeguards and the firefighters. You sure you're going to stay? I'm staying. This storm ain't coming here. We're good. My dad, my mom, you know, father-in-law, I got all these texts and calls. Hey, are you sure? You sure you want to stay? You know, and, and so here we are. Now it's, it's midnight, you know, 100, 100 mile an hour winds. I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm literally feel like I'm on a boat that's going down. You know, like, like I'm, you know, I'm sitting and, 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 I'm, and I'm sitting. You know, when we go through storms like that in our life, we, two things normally happen. Number one, we start, like if we feel like we lived a good life, we start thinking, you know, Lord, why is this happening to me? I mean, I go to church, you know, like I, I do all these good things. I mean, come on. And, or the second thing is if we made the bad decision to stay, or we got ourselves into it, we start feeling shame. Come on, Nathan. You knew better. This is what pride gets you right here. You thought you knew that you were smarter than all these meteorologists. And, and, and so, so one or two kick in. But it's the limitations, I think. It's the, it's the humanness that we all have in our life that sets us up for the miraculous. Because Paul is not selling to Rome. Paul is selling to Malta, and he's kind of in between two things. He's in between a miracle and a mistake. A mistake that he didn't even make. And it's really easy to get mad and bitter and upset when you're sitting in a boat and a storm feels like it's taking you out because of somebody else's decision. Come on now. I didn't ask for this. I didn't pray for this. Actually, I knew what the right decision was to make. But nobody listened. <laughs> but Paul left room for this. He left room for the limitations of people because he knew it was in weakness. It was in these limitations in our own life and in the people around us that oftentimes places us exactly where we need to be. Did that have to happen? Did the storm have to happen? I don't think so. Let's look at this, verse 21. Paul, father of the faith, he said, After a long time they had gone without food, Paul stood up before them and said, Men, <laughs> you should have taken my advice, <laughs> right? I feel like that's the most dad statement ever. I tried to tell you, well, you didn't listen. You know, he didn't give them a reason the first time. That's a classic dad statement. Why, dad? Because I said so. Because I got information you don't have. Come on, somebody. Just do it. Don't, we don't need to go. And, and so Paul gets up. And maybe the conversation was different. I don't know. You know, Luke is writing this. So I, who knows? 
but he said, you should have taken my advice, guys, not to sell from Crete. Then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. But look at this. But now I urge you, keep up your courage. Because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of God came to me. So now he's given them a reason to listen to him. <laughs> an angel came to me, boys, girls, like, talked to me, told me, stood beside me. And said, don't be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar. You're going to Rome. He confirms the original vision, the ri like where, where he's heading. And God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep your courage, men. For I have faith in God that this will happen just like he said it. But nevertheless, <laughs> we're going to run aground on some island. <laughs> Paul recognized the limitations of man. Not only did he recognize the limitations of man, at one point I can, in the middle of the night on day four or five or six, when they're hot and hungry and tired and scared for their life and they haven't seen the sun and the moon and stars for days, they got hopeless. Now, so as a, as a preacher, speaking about hope, it's always on the other side of it. That hope, you got to keep it, right? If you can't find hope, make some, right? Like, like when you lose hope, you lose it all. Like, like a person, you know, you can go without food, water, you can go without all kinds of stuff. But if you, if you lose all your hope. But in order for them to get where God was taking them, they had to get hopeless, and I think that there's a side of hopelessness that's not completely bad. Because I don't think that 276 folks on that boat and the captain would have listened to Paul if they hadn't hit this hopelessness. Dr. Henry Cloud writes about hopelessness in his book called Necessary Endings around chapter 5. He, he talks about how hopelessness is not always a bad thing. That maybe you're here this morning and, and you feel like that. You feel hopeless. Like, what does it mean to be hopeless? It means I have tried every option I know to try. I'm, I'm in the, I am in the captain's chair here, right? Uh, and I, I, am, I've, I have SOS'd. I've called in to the, to the National Guard. I've tried to turn this ship around on my own. We ran ropes underneath it. We hoisted the rudder to keep us on. You know, they put out four anchors, y'all. They did everything they knew to try. And they got hopeless. And sometimes, you know, hopelessness is not a real good place to live. But sometimes it pays royalties to pay a visit there. Because I think as, as, as you know, me, if I hit a, a storm, I try to work things out in my head, right? Like I got to get a plan. I got to work this out. I got to do this in my own strength. I got to, I'm going to, I'm going to make this work. In this situation, y'all, on this particular story, there was nothing they could do. And so sometimes hopelessness, it's not a bad place. The way Henry Cloud describes it is that when we get hopeless, what begins to happen is we open up to new ideas, we, we surrender, we get humble, we, 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 we lower ourselves when we get hopeless. 
Now, I don't think anybody should walk around like this their whole life. I don't think God has called anyone to walk around hopeless. But you may find yourself for some days or nights and weeks feeling that way. And I want you to know it's in those moments. It's in the belly of the beast, y'all, right, Jonah? It's in, it's in the bottom of this boat chained to a prisoner, and they feel like they're all, it's in these hopeless moments of life that nobody asks for, nobody wants, where God speaks the loudest. When all your options are gone, and you're out of money, and you're out of friends, and you're out of doctors and second opinions, and you don't know what else you're going to do. Nobody prays for those moments. Nobody likes that stuff. I don't, and I, I mean, I, and I hope it's only a few times in your life. But when you get hopeless, it's like the, a host of heaven decides that they want to, they're going to show up in those moments. And, and, and for Paul, you know, God sent an angel, and you may not get an angel. I've never had that happen to me, but you may get a still small voice. You may get a, a vision from God. You may get a friend or a text or a call or somebody just shows up at your house right at the right moment when you needed it so bad and they had no clue. Hopeless. I'm glad Paul put, put that in here. I'm glad Luke, who was a doctor, who wrote the book of Acts, and I'm glad he put that detail in there because when you feel hopeless, you revert back to this whole, well, this is my fault. Right? I deserved it. I did this to myself. Or you revert back to, you, you, you get bitter. Why is this happening to me? Why do I have to go through this? But this is what Paul did. He recognized the limitations of people. And this is the second thing I believe he, he recognized on that boat. He recognized the greatness of God. Because when all the people that he had hoped and trusted in had let him down... And when nobody would listen to him, and again, he's the prisoner on the bottom of a boat. It was in that moment he realized how faithful his God was. It was in that moment that God gave him a voice. He took this prisoner from the bottom of the boat and made him the captain. It's the law of E.F. Hutton. Have you heard of that? The law of E.F. Hutton. It says this, that when, when the real leader speaks, people listen. He had no title. He had no position. He was a prisoner, y'all. And because of this storm, and because of what happened in his life, it qualified him to go from the bottom to the top. And now they're listening to Paul. Now they're listening to this prisoner who was probably kind of, you know, I mean, he may not have had a good shower in a while. Like, like, so, so God took him from the bottom to the top, and, and I think it was because of what one, that one aspect in Paul's life. He recognized the greatness of God. He recognized the goodness of God, even when life was hopeless. He said, I couldn't see any stars. I couldn't see the sun for many nights, but I knew that my God was faithful. <laughs> I knew that the story couldn't end like this, y'all, right? He held on to that. And what I love, he said, when the angel showed up and spoke to Paul, he didn't, the, the angel didn't give him a reason why he was going through the mess he was in. Did you, did you catch that? He didn't tell him, like, hey, hey, you're going through this storm because you're going to be, like, you're going you're gonna to sail, you're going to be an Olympic sailor one day. And all this is going to make sense sometime. And, and all this loss that you're going, no, 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 he didn't explain or give a reason for none of it. He gave him a revelation. He said, you're going to make it to Rome. 
every person on this boat is going to stay alive. Not a hair of their head is going to be. You're going to lose the whole boat. You're going to lose everything in it. And sometimes, you know, you can die in the why if you need a reason for everything that happens. And I don't care the smartest guru that's ever lived can't give you a reason for why they left you or why they hurt you or why you had to walk through what you had to walk through. But God, in his grace, he gives us revelation. He shows us that we're on a path somewhere. And I may not know why this has happened. I may not know why I'm in the bottom of this boat. Nobody would listen to me. And now we're about to, you know, I may not ever have a reason for any of that. Because people, you know, make mistakes and life is flawed and hard and full of, it's just going to be tough. But I have a revelation. An angel spoke to me. God reminded me, right, that this isn't the end of the story. This is just one chapter. And Paul stood up and he said that. He let them know. And, and, and so this is what they did, verse 40. They cut loose the anchors. They left them in the sea. And at the same time, they untied the ropes that held the rudders. So they're going for land. Verse 40. Then they hoisted the foresail to the wind and they made for the beach. But the ship struck a sandbar and ran aground. The bow stuck fast and it wouldn't move. The stern was broken to pieces by the pounding surf. The soldiers, look at it, just they planned to kill the prisoners <laughs> to prevent any of them from swimming away. But the, the head, the head soldier said, No, I want to spare Paul's life. You know, when the hand of God is on you, I, there was a guy named B.H. Clendenin, he was a old-timey preacher and I, I, I loved listening to him and he, he planted had a school in Russia and other places but he used to say you know you're immortal until God is done with you he would say he'd say you're immortal until until God has completed what he has placed on your life to do he says he says no matter what the enemy tries to throw your way he can't touch you you're going to lose some stuff right you're going to go through some stuff but if you look at this and you look at this story it's unbelievable he almost died in the shipwreck multiple times, and now the, the prisoners were, or the, the guards were going to kill him, and he lives. I mean, it's like everybody's trying to keep this guy down. But I want you to see this. The soldiers plan to kill the prisoners, prevent him from escaping, verdict 43. But the head one, he, he, he could swim to jump overboard first and get to land. But verse 44 says, the rest... They surfed in on planks. So surfing's in the Bible. All right, and that is the whole point of that. I wanted you to see this. All right, you read it. It's right there. They, they, that's, they got in on pieces of the ship. And so, you know, here they are surfing into this place called, place called Malta. So where did they end up? They ended up way away from their destination. It happened just the way Paul said it was going to happen. But this, this, little, this little bitty town of Malta. Now, this is, it, 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 the story just gets better, and I wish I had time to read it all. But they get there. They get on. So now Paul has almost drowned. The, you know, the, the guard was going to kill him. They're on the beach, and Paul's like, hey, you know, being Paul, uh, a servant, let's make a fire. So he's gathering wood to make a fire. Gets bit by a viper. 
Uh, like, like, and it says not just bit, like this thing latched to his hand. is what. And so this isn't like a little cute bite. Like this thing latched to his hand is in jail. I mean, the dude, and you know what he did? Right? The, the great theologian Taylor Swift, y'all heard of her? He just shook it off. And all the people, like all the islanders, they call them the islanders. That's, that's the, what Luke uses, these islanders, these natives to this, the island called Malta. By the way, where they shipwrecked, it's called St. Paul's Cove to this day. A few years ago, of the four anchors, they believe they found one. They found four anchors outside of St. Paul's Cove. To this day, if you go to Malta, if you look it up in the Mediterranean Sea, St. Paul's Cove is there. It's amazing. He shakes his thing off in the fire. And, and, and so the islanders, you know, people, people love, they just, this is nothing new. People always, people have opinions. They're like armpits, right? The islanders, so he gets bit by the snake and they're like, well, clearly this dude's a murderer. He, get, he, he survives a shipwreck and gets bit by a snake. The gods don't like him. And then they keep watching him, waiting on him to swell up and die. Nothing happens. So they change their opinion on him now. This is a God. <laughs> you know, so we thought he was a murderer. Now he's a, it's, it's amazing. If you live your life based on the opinions of people, it's, you're going to be like, you're never, it's just like a wave in the sea. You're just... So he went from a, a murderer to a God, and they said, we're going to take him to the president of the island. And I'm going somewhere, and we're going to close with, with this. So the president of this little island called Malta brings him meets him, and it just so happened his dad was sick. So Paul goes in to the, pre the, the I mean, the, 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 the alpha of this island. Here's a prisoner. He's allowing into his home. Prays for his dad. His dad gets healed. They hear about it. The whole island, it says, brings all of their sick people. Paul heals every one of them. It's amazing. Malta, I thought, was a mistake. Now imagine if Paul's mentality while he was on Malta would have just been, God, why didn't they listen to you and me? Why is this going on? Let, just get me another boat so I can get to Rome. While Paul was on Malta for three months, y'all, three months, He's healing the sick. He's serving. He's ministering. And it just so happens that if it wasn't for the limitations of people, and if it wasn't for God's hand and sovereignty, this little town, this little island of Malta would be completely different today. And so when we look back on our lives, we have Paul's story because he's already lived this life. And so we can learn from it. And when we look at who's at the helm of our life, I, I think that, you know, our decisions matter tremendously. And I also believe that there's a God in heaven who's what he wills on this earth will come to pass. But I think Paul, I think Paul could look back and I wish we could sit and have a conversation with him. I think Paul found purpose in both. I don't think that he was just cornered to one side or the other. I think he knew people were going to make mistakes. I think he knew he was going to make mistakes. 
I think he knew that, you know what, he was going to end up in prison and people were going to lie on him and he was going to have to go through some tough stuff. But I also think he knew that if God said he was going to Rome, he was going to Rome. And there wasn't nobody that could stop it. There wasn't a storm that could stop it. There wasn't a shipwreck that could stop it. And so he, he's seen both. He's seen how God could use the mistakes of men and, and, and step in and do the miraculous through them. And I'm going to read this verse, and we're going to, we're going to close in, in prayer. And I think it led him to, believe, to write stuff like this. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he writes about this. He calls it a thorn in his flesh. A messenger of Satan, he said, that wouldn't go away. Cried over it, prayed about it. Did everything that he knew, he knew to do to get rid of this, 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 just this uncomfortable whatever was going on in his life there's many theories around it but then he writes this he got this revelation he says that God said to him my grace is made perfect my grace is, is sufficient for you it's it's made perfect my power in your weakness now I don't know about you but I love to read things like that because it leaves room for the limitations in my own life it reminds me that even Paul, who wrote a third of the New Testament and raised the dead and shook off a viper and, and healed the sick and, and, I mean, was like the first church planner, even he had something in his life that made him feel weak. But the real truth of that, of that verse, I didn't realize that. Till, I mean, it was probably 11 or 12 years ago after Hurricane Ivan. How so it's more than that. 16, 17 years ago. And there was this gentleman working working on the house that I was living in at the time. And he was he was probably in his in his 70s. And he was helping with some of the damages. And he called he I was leaving to go to my car. He said, Come here, son, I, I want to talk to you. And and he said, I heard you're I heard you're studying to be a preacher. I said, Yes, yes, sir, that's what I'm doing. Hopefully I can figure something else out, but that's what, no, I'm just kidding. He said, I got, he said, I got a, I got a word for you. He says, I want you to, I want you, and he shared this verse with me. He says, now, now, son, he's like, he says, when, when, when Paul wrote, my grace is sufficient. If you want to put that back up there. He says, you know what that really means? He says, that's God's way of saying my grace is a, is a barricade. That when you're driving through life, yeah, you're driving, you're making decisions, you're making choices. But he says, my grace is a barrier. It's a barricade. It's, it's like this, it's this unseen hand this, that, that will keep you and guide you and put you exactly where you need to be. And I didn't even, like, confirm that it was true until this morning. And he's right. It really should say, my grace is a barricade for you. It's, a, it's, it's like you know, when you're driving down the roads and there's construction going on, they make sure if there's a big old hole that your car is going to fall down. And they, they put stuff around it to keep you away from it. To make sure that as long as you're paying some kind of attention, you don't drive over the side, right? I mean, you all drove here, Three Mile Bridge. we got lots of illustrations of this going on right now. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. 
don't know, I thought that that was amazing. That in my limitation and in my weakness and, and in other people's limitations, God's grace, God's grace always makes a way. God's grace always keeps us on track and where we need to be. And I'm thankful for that grace this morning. Let's just, if you would close your eyes. And Father, we thank you so much for the, the grace that we have in you. We thank you that we can learn from men like Paul. We can learn from God how they led in their life, how they navigated through storms. So Lord, I would just speak that promise today that your grace is sufficient. That even in our weakness and in our shortcomings, God, your grace fills in the gap. It's a barrier. It's a barricade. It's there whether we see it or not. That, yeah, there's a captain in the captain's seat, and he's got the will, and he's steering through the waves. But there's a God in heaven who's controlling the wind. And so, Lord, we see that today, and we just ask. I, I pray for people that feel hopeless this morning. Or you've been through a hopeless situation and you don't have a reason yet. It just doesn't make sense. Oh, I pray that today you would get a revelation. I pray that the Holy Spirit would speak to you even right now and just bring comfort and joy and peace. And, and you may not ever get a reason, but he can speak hope and he can give you something out in front of you, a revelation of, 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 of how God may use that, that pain that you went through, that, that storm that you went through, how, how maybe you're on Malta right now. You thought you were going to Rome and you had a completely different plan for your life, but you're on some island in the middle of the Mediterranean and you don't know why you're there. Somebody needs you there. Somebody needed you to go through that so that your story could help them, so that you could bring the power of God into somebody else's life because you know what it's like to feel hopeless. You know what it's like to lose the only bit of light that you had in your life. You know what that's like. And you can help a lot of people. And so I want to pray for everybody that may feel stuck On this island that you didn't intend to go to. I want you to hear this. I believe God, you're not stuck there. You're stationed there. God has something for you to do. God's not going to waste what you've been through. Hear that. Let that sink in. God is not going to waste the storm and the trial and the tears. He's not going to waste any of that. He's going to use it. And so, Lord, we just thank you for grace this morning for what we don't deserve we thank you that Lord that you somehow make a way every time that in Proverbs he says a man makes a way in his heart but really God directs his steps so that at the end of the day God you're steering this ship and we trust you we trust you so in Jesus name we pray everybody said amen